0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com.
1: Well, hi everybody. How you doing? It's so good to be with you. Welcome, Tracy, with me today. So we thought it'd be a really great way to begin uh, the message today by just sharing a little bit of a story, uh, specifically about kind of how Alpha has impacted someone's life. And so I invited Tracy to come up here because she's got a lot to share, and, and we're just going to jump into this. But, like, you could say a lot about your story in general. You have so much that God's done in your life. Mm-hmm. But I asked you specifically just, hey, could you kind of help anybody that may be interested in Alpha, maybe wants to try Alpha, just a little bit of your experience because you were a part of Alpha this last semester. So uh, I'd love for you to just share why you came to Alpha and kind of what was your experience with it.
0: Okay. um, Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I really went for the free food. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, They do provide dinner, which is uh, like an extra blessing bonus um, if you go to Alpha. Um, I ended up going to Alpha because I had invited a couple of friends, and Tim said if you invite somebody, um, you should sign up to go with them. So that's Uh exactly what I did. Um, At my first Alpha, they asked us to be real genuine and to go deep, like real deep below surface level. (laughs) Um, And so, and it was very interesting that such a diverse group of people, all ages, um, could connect over the topic and questions of God. Alpha to me was a safe place to express my questions about God and the Bible without judgment. It's not about having all the answers, but really a sense of belonging and understanding. Mm. Personally, I've been a believer for a long time, and I've experienced some church hurt along the way. Alpha provided a place for me to start processing that hurt. Um, My favorite part about Alpha is the sense of community and the connections I built. Um, If you haven't considered Alpha, you should. Mm. Um, It's really for anybody, like new believers, old believers, if you're not sure what you believe or if you don't believe, Um, it's really, it's for everybody Mm -hmm. Um, I also want to give a shout out to our group leaders and helpers for making the space just feel really warm and welcoming yeah, that's awesome
1: yeah, Yeah, it's good well, why don't you share why don't you share a little bit about um, just something that God did within your time at Alpha you know, last week we shared a little bit about even a couple stories specifically from what we call Healing Night at Alpha and you had your own story from that Mm -hmm. night that kind of sparked so what happened there?
0: Okay, um, I told myself I am going to cry. Um, <laughs> so I did, I got prayed for for healing. Um, not physical healing like we heard about last week, but deep emotional healing. Um, I was hanging on to unforgiveness, and bitterness had started taking root. If you were to ask me, I would have told you uh, I forgave those who had hurt me. Um, When I started actively following Christ, because as Christians, that's what we're supposed to do. Um, hang on, I lost my spot. Oh. Um. So, but in reality, I was hanging on to those resentments, and I couldn't go through the process of uprooting them myself. Mm-hmm. It was actually something I couldn't do on my own, but God. Mm-hmm. Um, he pulled my, he pulled the roots of unforgiveness and bitterness out by its core. Yeah. Um, I needed to get out of the way, so I did, and I allowed space for Jesus and the Holy Spirit to do its thing. If it wasn't for Alpha, I wouldn't have been courageous enough to even ask for prayer, mm. um, or thought I deserved it. So thanks, Alpha, mm. and thanks Tim for mm. praying for me.
1: <laughs> That's so cool. Love that. I love. Just how God moved in your life that night and, and really over the next couple of days as he healed you. Um, I thought with Tracy while she was here, I asked her to go a little beyond Alpha and to kind of help introduce what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, we're going to be talking about God, God the Father today. And, um, and I thought it would be cool if you just shared a little bit about how God has really been your heavenly father over these last number of years and how he's really ministered to you in that way.
0: Okay, Um, well, he is our Heavenly Father, and he's still doing a good work in me. I'm a work in progress, okay? (laughs) Um, So after receiving healing um, and gaining the gift of forgiveness, uh, God revealed to me that I was playing the role of both mom and dad in my kid's life. Hmm. I felt I needed to carry the extra weight because he didn't have a dad, um, and he didn't have a male father figure in his life. I'd been carrying the task of both parents for over 10 years now, God so graciously reminded me that He's our Heavenly Father. Um, and I could stop hanging on. Like, I literally had this vision of like grasping this role of being my kid's dad. And God was like, No, let it go. Um, and just ha- hold your hands open. Um, he was so good in that. Um, and instantly, I could stop carrying the burden of both being mom and dad and really just get to focus on being his mom. Um, I'm able to rest knowing that he's not just my heavenly father, but my kids' heavenly father, too. Um.
1: That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, I think let's, let's pray, but um, I'm just going to pray on that. And then, and then So sit with me for just a minute. Lord, thanks so much for tracing her story, and thanks for how you've ministered to her and how she's really encouraging us today. Just by the word of the testimony, God, we are encouraged and we are lifted up. And we just pray now, Father, that as we spend some time in your word, that God, you would, you would kind of take us even from this testimony into your testimony and the words that you want us to receive today. We pray these things in your name, amen. amen. Would you give her one more hand? Thanks so much, Tracy, appreciate it, so good. Well, today we are in part three of our series about God, and uh, and that was so good, and I'm so thankful for her courage to share. Aren't you? I mean, I just love when people share their stories. And as we're in part three, I mean, if we rewind just a couple weeks ago, we talked about in the first week that God is our resting place. That that God's resting place is is actually us. That we are the temple. His Spirit. God is Spirit. God's spirit resides in us, and we are God's resting place. Last week, we talked about God is the healer. We wrestled with three questions. What, is, what, is, what does the Bible say about healing? Does healing happen today? And, and how do I pray for healing? And we, we talked about those things. And today, as a way to opening up the door to today's message, I want to share a quote from A.W. Tozer that I've actually shared over the years in a few different messages just because it's, it's a pretty profound um, just thought. It says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us, which is a profound thought, and I want you to just kind of think about it personally. What comes to your mind when you think about God? And perhaps if you were going to put it in the, in the form of a question, it's this. How do you view God? What is your? How do you see Him in your life? And this is an important question because how you view God will ultimately shape how you view yourself. And we'll get into that a little psychological thriller in a moment, all right? But let's talk about this thought. How do you view God? Deuteronomy 7.9 says this, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. <laughs> Everyone say God is God. God, is God. Numbers 23.19 says God is not man. Look at your neighbor and say God is not a man. Not a man. Aren't you good? Aren't you glad about that? Though he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind, we are fickle. We like to change our minds, right? And I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that the Bible cleared this up, that God is God and God is not a man. (laughs) And even though I kind of laugh at those scriptures, I love to share them, I've shared them before, but I love to think about that, not only because it kind of makes me laugh to think, yeah, of course, we know that, but it also is foundational in our view of God, that God is God. There's no other like him. There is one God and that God is God. So what comes to someone's mind when they think about God could be a thousand different things. Some people think, you know, there's some cosmic spiritual force in the world. And they see him more as a force. Some Some may see him as like a grandfather figure, right? Like, we love him. He's just kind of lovable. Like, he always has a piece of candy in his pocket. Like, he's great. But he's a little out of touch with reality. Or... There's lots of different ways we see it. And I want to show you a new tool today. We'll, we'll, we'll call it this. How do you view God? How do you view God? And the truth about the way we view God is it changes throughout life. It's different seasons as we mature, maybe, and not only our life, but in our faith. And, and we see God in a lot of different ways because God is a lot of different things. And thankfully, God fulfills a lot of different purposes within our life. And so we view him in, in different ways. But I want to show you four common ways that I believe are limiting ways that we see God. These are not necessarily biblical ways, but limiting ways. For some of us, we see God as, number one, we see him as a referee, right? We see him as a referee. We, we often make God like the scorekeeper in life. Like he's also the one who calls fouls on us. He calls penalties. He's given the yellow card, the red card. You know, we, we can even view God as someone who's kind of keeping score between us. And so there's like this competitive thing going on between people. And, and we see God doing this. In our minds as sort of this sort of heavenly scorekeeper keeping tabs on our behaviors and 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 so we see him as a referee you know he sets the rules of the game and manages the game and and obviously for a lot of us we know that that's not right but that's kind of how we relate to him and number two some of us see God as this some of us see God as a customs agent I almost use the word bouncer for this but customs agent will work (laughs) Like he's a bouncer at the door, right? We did, but, but a custom agent works really well. Like If you've ever traveled internationally, you have to go through customs, right? You go through customs. You get to the customs little booth that they stand in, and they're kind of behind this glass wall, and they kind of look at you really cautiously. They look at your passport. They look at you again, and then they ask you a question. Why are you coming into this country? And you're like, vacation? And they go. They look at you again cautiously, and then they take out this big stamp, right? And they, they give you this stamp of approval that allows you to come in. Earlier this year, we were traveling. My daughter, Emily, got stopped by a customs agent. And and we were in a foreign country, they stopped her, and they said, we don't know if we're gonna let you come in. She had a a passport, and that passport was gonna expire in about a month. And they said, you're not supposed to travel if it's within six months of expiring, which to me, that doesn't make any sense. What good is the expiration date? That's That's like giving me a gallon of milk and it says that it expires December 30th, and I drink it today, and it's sour. And you say, well, yeah, you're not supposed to drink it in two weeks prior to the expiration date. It doesn't make any sense. And neither does God being a customizing. It. it doesn't make any sense. Like he's a gatekeeper or a bouncer at the door. Like it's all about God kind of as this, uh, are we gonna, is he going to let you in or out into heaven? Number three, for some of us, we see God as a traffic cop. And you know the interesting thing about a traffic cop is we willingly take the directions of a traffic cop. We just don't have a relationship with them. And so we, we, we follow the rules, we'll take the direction that they point us to go, and, and, and most of the time at least, we'll take their directions, but we never really have an intent or desire to get to know that traffic cop. And so what we want from the traffic cop is direction, and we want from them to do their job well, but as far as a relationship, or getting to know, or spend time, uh, we're good. And then the fourth one, how we view God, doesn't to be festive, right? Santa Claus. Like, we see God in this way. Tis the season, right? And, and it's, this could be the genie in the bottle. This could be anything. But when we come to God with our wishes and our wants, and we come to him and we, we are either disappointed by what we don't get, or we are happy with what we do get, when we, when we view God and treat God as this genie in a bottle, go, bottle kind of magic, mythical character that we go to just for the things we want. So if you imagine... Just having a relationship with God where you're constantly asking things of him. I don't know. I know that's probably really crazy for a lot of you to think about. That we're just constantly asking things of him. So how you view God reminds me of the scripture we read this morning in worship. Isaiah 9, 6. And I'm just going to read it here. For, us to, for, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Right? Wonderful referee. Mighty customs agent. Everlasting traffic cop. No? Prince of Santa Claus, right? Like, we know that's kind of ridiculous. Like, we, we know that we don't view God through this one lens. I know most of you aren't like, I only see God through the traffic cop, or I get it. Like, we see him in a lot of different ways. But imagine, I, I you. well, I'll go back to this A.W. Tozer quote real quick. I, I read this at the very beginning, the first part. But the second part, he goes on in this quote, and he says, We tend by secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. And what he's saying is, if your mental image of God is as a referee, meaning he's constantly monitoring you know, the wins and the losses, the makes and the misses in your life, well, you're going to tend to move towards a performance-based relationship with God, in which it's all about, are you behaving right? Or let's just say you believe God is an angry God, where well, you will tend to move towards an angry life and 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 this is what happens so how do you view god is actually a very important question what is the primary lens that you see god through so i want to read isaiah 9 6 and i'll read it properly this time and it says this for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders again the prophetic word of jesus and he will be called say these things with me wonderful counselor mighty god Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So go back to our tool, and let's just do this right. And we're going to say it again. Let's put these in there. This is how we should see them, right? Go to the next slide. Wonderful counselor, say it with me. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. For Advent this year, my family has been um, actually memorizing this verse in Isaiah 96. So when we get together once a week, we talk about Advent, we actually memorize a verse together. We've been doing this for years. We pick a different verse every year, and this is the verse this year. So our kids are working on it, we're working on it. And I also used this verse when I was with our staff a few weeks ago, and I just said, hey, which one of these four descriptors of God has God have you felt most personally in 2022? We went around, everybody shared, and some said, oh, he's been the wonderful counselor, he's been prince of peace, he's been, he's been a mighty God, everlasting father. We all said different examples. And for me in 2022, the one that stood out was everlasting father. And it's, it's obviously not better than the other th- three, but it has stood out to me this year in some special ways. And I want you to know that as I prayed about today, and I prayed about this series specifically, and which, as we say, hey, we're going to do a series about God. Like, what are you going to say about God? Well, we thought God is spirit, God is healer. And, and for, for today, I felt like the spirit kept through the encouragement of people that were speaking into this message and through conversations I was having. And what the spirit was speaking to me was like, today is about God the Father. And I just want you to know that because we can talk about all these other descriptors of God, and they're all very, very important. We could talk at length, but I want to lean in and ask a really profound question: Do you view God as Father? And before you go ahead and jump to the conclusion on your conclusions, Matt, and say, "Of course I do," I want you, I want you to really consider this because so many of us have a flawed view. Of God and if we have a flawed view of God, we're going to have a flawed life. And, and, and it's so important to get this right because if we're not looking through the lens of God the Father, we, have, we, we are going to start to get a, a misunderstanding of who God wants to be in your life. So thankfully, God is not silent in this conversation. God has been revealing himself so that we can see and understand him better. And he never did this more clearly, of course, than when Jesus came to planet Earth. Like, that was the most significant moment in which he showed us who he was going to be. The scriptures say about Jesus that he is the exact representation of God's glory, that that, that God personified in the flesh was Jesus. If you want to see what God was like, then you go and you look to the person of Christ. Like, this is all stuff we know. But Jesus teaches us a lot of things about God. And I want you to catch this. He teaches us tons of things about God. He teaches us that God is love, that God is creator, that God is omnipotent, that God God is Lord. But he taught us one thing more than anything else. 189 times in the four Gospels alone, Jesus taught us one thing, and that one thing was God is Father. That's what he was trying to teach us almost more than anything else when he was talking about the character of God, I want you to think about one of the core moments in the story of Jesus. Jesus gets away. He goes to pray by himself as he often did. The disciples are looking for him. They finally found him. They see him praying. One of them gets inspired in this moment and has the courage to ask Jesus, Lord, can you teach us how to pray? Lord, teach us to pray. One of my favorite scriptures, Luke 11 1, is Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus says, okay, well, when you pray, I want you to pray like this. And he gives them this thing we call the Lord's Prayer. And if you think about it, we've been saying this prayer for 2,000 years, and he starts the prayer with the first two words. What are they? Our Father. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is how he begins the prayer. He wants to say, if, you've, if you want to address God in prayer. Don't say Holy One, Sovereign One. Those are all great titles, King of Kings, great stuff. But Jesus is demonstrating, I want you to talk to your Father in heaven. Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Think about the very first moment that we really know about, one of the very first moments of Jesus' ministry. He goes and gets baptized. And when he gets baptized, there's a moment where there's a voice from heaven calling out from heaven. And what does the voice say? This is in Matthew 3.17. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. God positions himself as father in this moment. And I think this is very very important. I mean, there's a lot of prophetic things we can talk about here. There's a lot of history things where the Jewish people weren't really used to having a father-son relationship in the context of us and God. Jesus and God are doing some work right here theologically, but think about even the timing of this moment. The timing of this moment before Jesus goes and does all of his miraculous work, before he dies on the cross for us, before he's paid the penalty for our sin, before he's done any of that incredible ministry God says, this is my son who I am well pleased and who I love. So before Jesus actually accomplishes or does anything, God publicly blesses him, demonstrates his love, and sends him to his destiny. Here's why that's important, because this is what we all desire and want from our fathers. We want love and blessing unconditionally. Then near the end of Jesus' ministry, we have this powerful moment in the garden. Jesus is praying before his arrest, and he prays in Mark 14. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Jesus, when he's in this moment of anguish, it's right before his arrest and eventual crucifixion. He cries out. Abba Father, which was repeated. These, this word Abba is this word that gets repeated in the New Testament a few times. Everyone say Abba. Abba. If you've been in church very much in your life, the chances are you've heard a reference in some message at some point to this word Abba, this name Abba. Abba is an Aramaic word, which is the common language of Jesus' day. And Abba means, it means daddy, it means. It means our, our, our papa. It means dear father. It's a term of intimacy, not formality. And so it's very different, like I said, than saying holy one or mighty God or king of kings. Saying Abba, dear father in heaven, this is how Jesus is demonstrating to us how we talk to God. He said this is the way I talk to him. This is the way you talk to him. Now psychologists, they tell us that when a baby begins to talk, the most common first words, and you can disagree with me if you want, but I didn't say it, the experts did. The most common first words are da or da-da. Obviously, babies are smart. Some babies say mama, I get it. Some say pizza, whatever they say. But statistically, da-da is number one. I imagine Israelite little babies, they probably were ab or abba, right? They weren't saying "Dada." they were saying Abba. Like, that's what I picture. But I told this story a few years ago, um, but when Grayson was a, a baby, he was about 18 months old, he was an early riser, and he would, he, would, uh, he would wake up, and he would immediately begin to scream from his room. And he would say, da, 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 and I would be like, I'm a dead asleep, right? dead asleep. And I'm like, Lord, teach that boy to say mama. Because Christy would inevitably always say, he's calling for you, dad. (laughs) So I'd get up, I'd get up, and and I'd find this little helpless 18-month-old year in their jail cell, what we call a crib, and I'd pick him up. I'd free him. I'd release him from his misery. And literally the minute I grabbed him, this is no joke, almost every day, the minute I grabbed him, he'd just start laughing. (laughs) He was totally cool then. He was like, a minute ago, he's like, da-da! Like as loud and as long as he can go. And then I pick him up and he's like, cool. He's like, let's go play. You know, like he wanted to to get out and play. I'm like, you know it's 5 a.m. on Saturday, right, kid? Uh, Here's what I know. I know, I know we live in a world today where earthly fathers are not always, always what we need them to be. Some in here have, have lost their dad. Some of here have, um, have had a dad that has been absent, uh, abandoned you, abused you. And, and, and this, so this idea that God is father, this idea that God is even a good father, comes with a bit of a learning curve for some of us. Because you aren't sure what a good father even is. But this picture of even me with my son, I felt like this is a picture for today to just, that, that there, is a, there is an Abba Father who will come and respond to our call and will pick us up and there'll be immediate peace in his presence. And I believe some of us need that more than we would ever know because if I'm asking the question, how do you view God? Some of us can't actually honestly say in our heart, I view God as Father. Because I got too much baggage. I got too much that's going on in my life. Because here's the problem. I mean, I realize it's easier said than done to just say, oh, God the Father. Here's the problem. If Jesus is showing us If Jesus is showing us that we should primarily see God as father, then you got to know that the enemy is going to do everything he can to destroy fatherhood. How many know that that is happening in our world today? How many know that this has been called the fatherless generation? The enemy knows, the enemy knows that if he can fracture the concept of father, he will put an ever-present stumbling block in front of you in your ability to relate with your heavenly father. He knows this. So I want us to think for just a moment about our earthly earthly dads. And I'm sure there's a hundred different types of dad, just like there's a hundred different types of ways to say this is how I view God and... and, but we're gonna narrow the caricature of a, of a lot of our dads down to, to six different types of dads today. You know, pastor and author Louis Giglio kind of outlined these six, six types of a father that I thought would be helpful for us today. So I just wanna, I wanna share them very quickly. Six different types. The, the first one is this, the absent father. Many of us ex- have experienced in the absent dad. We, we, meaning he was just never really around, right? He was never present, he was not in the picture. They left maybe when you were young. You may know them, you may talk to them, but they're not really present in your life. Second kind of dad that some of us have had in our life is the abusive dad. And the abusive dad is not only the father that didn't bless us, but it's the father that hurt us. Maybe he hurt us with our word, with his words, maybe he hurt you with some sort of physical abuse. The third type of father is the performance dad. Right? This is the dad that you're always trying to please, that you're always trying to measure up. So you're always trying to get approval. And when you didn't do well enough, well, you knew about it. You were the disappointment. The fourth kind of dad is the the passive dad. Now, the passive dad is in the mix. He's there. He's been in your life. You've grown up. Maybe he's still in there, but he's never really led you. He's never really spoken in your life. He's never called you up into anything. He's just always kind of been around, but he's never really been the dad that he should have been. The fifth type of dad is the antagonistic dad. That this is the dad that not only does it feel like he's not for you, it feels like he's against you. Like you're always you're always trying to compete with him, and he's just telling you, you're never going to beat me. You're never going to. You're never going to be good enough for me. And then the sixth dad, you're like, man, are there any good dads? Yeah, there's the empowering dad. The empowering dad, right? And a lot of us, a lot of us have had this dad. This is a great dad. A lot of of dads in the room are this dad. Not the perfect dad, but it's the dad that was not only there for you, but always, always you knew unconditionally that he loved you. And this is the dad that no matter what, he was there for you when you were down, when you were, even when you were up. And their love and their empowerment, not just, it didn't just help you, but it it lifted the whole family. And so even as you grew up and he showed you the ropes and he launched you out into life, even if there was a failure along the way, he was there to help you get right back up and go after it again. These are different types of dads. But here's what I know is for so many people, fatherhood has been fractured. And some people say, that's exactly my problem in life. I do have father wounds, and my dad wasn't there for me. And you're telling me that God is my father. And I don't know what that means. So I want you to think about this. I think, if, I think one of the most loving things that God ever did was in the New Testament, how he ramped up this title of father. It's one of the most loving things he ever did was to say, I am your father. He says, I will be the father to the fatherless. And if you are here today and you can relate with the absent dad or the abusive dad, the antagonistic or even the passive, whatever dad, I'm guessing you have a gap in your life that just something feels like it's missing. And I just want you to know, again, that God says, I want to be the father to the fatherless. That God says, I see you. That God says, I have a special place in my heart for you. That God says, not only do I love you, but I want to to take care of you. I want to be the one you count on. God says, I will empower you. God says, let me father you. So the question, how do you view God? We have to view God as Father first. He's almighty. He's everlasting. He's he's all these amazing, beautiful attributes that we celebrate and worship him for. But Lord, teach me how to pray. Okay, pray this way. Our Father in heaven. So this question, how do you view yourself, leads to another question. Or how do you view God, leads to another question. How do you view yourself? You can go to the next one. How do you view yourself? So if we view God as Father, which I know is still work for some of us, I think it's logical to ask the question, well, how does God view us? And how does he see me? Because to accurately answer the question, how do I see myself for those of us who are interested, we should ask the question, well, how does God see me? So I just want to read a few truths over you. And this, these, these scriptures are for those of us who have felt the pain of fatherlessness. I think it's for those who have lost their father. I think it's the truth for, the dads who, for those who have dads that were absent or disengaged or passive. And even for those of us who have had empowering dads who are great, but they are not perfect. These truths are for you, and I'd even say it's for everybody at every age in the room, teenagers, 20s, 30s, 50s, 80s. We all need to know what our Father thinks of us. 2 Corinthians 6, 6, 17 and 18. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I will be a father to you. 1 John 3 1 says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Galatians 4, 6 and 7 says, because you are his sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, everybody say it, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Romans 8, 14 and 15. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. So again, how do you view yourself? I have to just say this, the accurate, unflawed view of yourself is how God sees you. That's the right view. We're gonna see ourselves in so many different ways. But he says, for those who are led by the spirit are called the children of God. He sees you as a son and daughter. I know that some of us know this, but I don't know if all of us feel this. Brennan Manning wrote a book a number of years ago called Abba's Child. I love that title. We cry out Abba Father, we can claim we are Abba's child. I love that. I love that thought. We are the beloved, you are, the chosen. You are chosen and loved by your heavenly Father. And I know many of you don't actually feel loved. A lot of you probably wonder who really loves me in life. Some of you right now, if I was gonna ask, If I was going to ask, and you were going to be really honest, do you feel loved? I think we'd be shocked by how many people question that very thing. I don't know if I'm loved. I don't know if I'm lovable. I don't know who in this world loves me. I know that, yes, maybe God loves me, but even that doesn't feel like I feel like it should feel. The statement, God's love you, it it can feel empty. It can feel it could feel like Christian ease, right? Just, oh yeah, that's what we say in the Christian world. But I hope you hear today that God's, God's love for you is real. And I know many of us need to hear that, especially in this season that we're in right now. As we move towards Christmas and holidays, and this question, of, am I loved, comes up a lot for people. We struggle with this question. So today my prayer has been like, may we have an encounter with the love of the Father today. Some of you need to embrace how God sees you. In order to have the correct view of God, you have to first embrace how God sees you. You will struggle to view God as he is until you embrace who you are. So if you see God as a referee, how are you gonna see yourself? You're gonna see yourself as a competitor in the game. I don't know if you've watched sports recently, but all like the competitors and the coaches do is argue with the referee, right? So if he's a referee, you're just gonna argue with him. If you see God as the custom agent, well, all you gotta do is make sure you got everything in order to get your spiritual passport to heaven and then you got all the boxes checked and that's all you're doing. So you view yourself as a traveler, not necessarily a son. If you see your, you see God as a traffic cop well, guess what all you're gonna see is a person who needs direction so you're constantly saying God will you give me direction I, I, I need help I don't know what I'm doing in life I need purpose when you help me so we constantly go to God to just get direction instead of come to God as the father who just wants to sit with us and love us and if all we see God is as this cosmic Santa Claus right well, then all you see yourself is as a consumer that is driven and only satisfied by getting the next thing and accumulating more. If your desires are shaped, and here's the truth, our desires in life are shaped by the next thing we want to acquire. And he is saying, will you let your desires be shaped by relationship with me? And so the father wants to transform our view of him, but he starts with transforming our view of self the view of who you are as a son, as a daughter of the Most High King, as a child of God. It shapes your whole theology, your understanding of God. So a series about God starts with you. Am I a son? Am I a daughter? And then it goes to God, I see you. I worship you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's where it starts. I read another book by Brennan Manning. If you're like, who's this Brennan Manning guy? Um, He's just an old old Franciscan priest who writes extensively on the love of God. And another book I read this year was The Furious Longing of God, speaking of the furious love of God. And there's a prayer inside that book that I've sort of adopted this year. And I've been trying to pray the last few months. And this is the prayer. Abba, I belong to you. Abba, I belong to you. And when he, in his book, he instructs, you know, people to pray this prayer. He says, I want you to try and experience uh, to do it in a specific way. And he says, I just want you to find a chair and I want you to sit down in that chair and I want you to upturn your palms, close your eyes and just pray that prayer over and over. Abba, I belong to you. He says, do it for 30 straight days and see what God does. Now here's the problem. I've been trying to do it and I haven't quite... Got it 30 straight days. (laughs) Keep forgetting here and there. But I've been doing it quite a bit. And guess what I've been experiencing? I've been experiencing the everlasting Father. Remember that? Everlasting Father? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. I've been experiencing the fatherhood of God by just declaring Abba, Father, Papa, Daddy, I belong to you. And I thought that would be a pretty cool way to close today. Pretty great prayer for some of us. And I've been praying, would this simple prayer be a healing prayer today for those who have wounds? Would this simple prayer be a place to to break open the doors and to bring breakthrough for those who need to experience the love of our Heavenly Father? So I just want to pray with you. I want to lead you in this little moment of just saying, Abba, I belong to you. Would you just close your eyes? just close your eyes Holy Spirit we invite you to come come into this moment we invite your presence you are welcome in fact just take a big breath right now just kind of get present with him just take a big breath inhale and exhale I want to pray this prayer. I want you to pray this prayer, but I don't want this to feel like some sort of weird, strange, like spiritual kind of searching to connect with. It's not, it's, it's not about that. It's about a child talking to their heavenly father. So just like, just like I was instructed in that book, if you're comfortable, just upturn your palms, put them on your lap. pray healing in this room, Lord, as we say these words. I pray breakthrough. I pray that, Lord, your, your fatherhood would minister right now to people. Just pray this. Say, Abba, I belong to you. Just whisper that prayer, everybody in the room. Abba, we're just going to say it a few times. I belong to you. as you want over the next minute or so. Just keep saying it. Abba, I belong to you. Say it to him. Let the ministry of our heavenly father draw close to you right now. Father, we invite your presence. Draw near to us. Say it again. Say, Abba, I belong to you. You can't say it enough. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thank you for being our everlasting Father. Thank you for the extravagant love that you've lavished upon us, your children. We give you praise today. It's in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us? We're going to worship just a little bit as a way to just finish responding today. And as we worship, this altar's open. Our prayer team is here. We have prayer team in the back as well. And I just want to encourage you. I just want to encourage you today. Hey, real quick. Real quick, hope this is okay to ask, but if you needed that word today, if it's like that word was, was really good for me, would you just lift your hand? Yeah, praise God, praise God. Well, this time we sing is just the time for you to respond and if you need prayer today, healing prayer, prayer about what it means to have Jesus as your Savior or just, I just want encouragement today, come and receive time as we sing.